Welcome to the Constructing Greatness Podcast, where I will be sharing real stories with inspiring tradesmen and many other driven and passionate leaders in construction and various other industries. I'm your host, Nicholas Ofak, and I've been in the construction business since 1996 as a construction manager and have worked for some of the largest builders in the United States. I'm now a business owner entrepreneur, and partner in a firm where we've successfully managed to be listed on the Inc. 5000, America's fastest growing private companies three years in a row. The main purpose of this podcast is to inspire and create awareness about the value of working in the trades and to educate about the great benefits and rewarding opportunities it can create. Are you ready to take this fun journey with me? Let's do it. Did you know that you should never use paints or coatings on brick, block, stone, or mortar? It's because it needs to breathe. Instead, you can stain it to any color that you'd like, and yes, even the mortar too. Staining is 100% maintenance-free and permanent, unlike coatings. So why don't more people know about it? We wondered the same thing. M&N Masonry Staining is a South Jersey contractor that has partnered with the oldest brick staining manufacturer in the United States and is certified to use their proprietary products and over 45 years of staining knowledge. M&N is scheduling residential and commercial building estimates now. For more information, call Nick at 856-217-1750 or follow M&N Masonry Staining on any social media platform. Today's guest is a construction professional with more than 35 years of hands-on experience in the commercial building industry. He specializes in risk management and has been responsible for ventures ranging up to $500 million projects. Dan Paulson, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I really appreciate you coming on, man. Looking forward to chatting with you. I wanted to go back to college. You went to Drexel University. I did. Did you finish school? I did. Okay, so you finished with a mechanical engineering degree. Right. So, you know, let's go back in the time machine. Is I originally, you know, graduated from high school. My parents were college, 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 college. So I started school and didn't go well for me. And I left and went to work in the field for a small, light commercial contractor, basically hanging duct, running pipe. And it's really how I got my start. And I think I was better suited to do that than to go to school at that time. So, you know, I worked for them for a bunch of years and he actually gave me an opportunity one winter to come inside and help him do takeoff. And he taught me how to estimate. And I estimated for him for, I don't know, four or five years. And then I decided, I'm like, okay, who is the best mechanical contractor in the marketplace? And at the time it was Willard. And I talked to, I remember Bill Kaufman from John F. Scanlon Company. And I asked him to give me a contact name inside that company. And it turned out it was a fellow by the name of Jack Hughes. And I called him every month for a year and asked him if I could get a job. And finally, he said to me, you know what? Come in and see me. 
and I went to work for them and they actually paid for me to finish Drexel after I was there for a while and, you know, really learning the business. They said you'd be a bigger asset to us if you went to school and they had a tuition reimbursement program and I went back to school. I love it. So between from you starting and finishing, well, you're talking what, five plus years or so? Finishing school? Yeah. When you went back, like what, what's the gap? It probably took me five or six years at night. It was interesting because a lot of the guys I was in school with, uh, you know, there were different night lab classes. And they're like, oh, let's all get together tomorrow and and study. I'm like, guys, I, I'm working full time. Right. <laughs> so. That had to be an interesting time indeed. So you were with Willard for how long? 18 years. 18 years. And then you, you started Limbach after Willard? You started with Limbach? We... We're actually owned by a company called Anjou International, a French firm. And they owned us. And then with deregulation came in, the Enron, the big energy company, bought us and bought Limbaugh at the same time and made us uh, kind of one company. We, we stayed separate for many, many years. But after the decline, when Ken Light lied to the stock market, about the MCOR stocks, they uh, they went out of business and they sucked us down with them. And then we tried to do an employee buyout, a lot of different things, but it really put Willard out of business. Understood. And then that was, what year was that when you left Willard or when Willard kind of finished their? 2000. 2000. Somewhere around there. And I, I think that that's when I went to work for Turner. Okay. That's the gap I was trying to fill. Uh, so you were with Turner then as well. Okay. Yeah, I went to work. Actually, I was, it was such a crazy time when the MCOR died or the Enron died is that we lost all of our savings, all of the money that we had because there were stock options we were getting and everything. And I lost my job. And I was talking to Gary Hendricks, and Gary was the one and he knew that Eagle Stadium was coming and they had some other projects in the pipeline that they needed a mechanical guy for. Because when he first said to me, why don't you come to work for us? I'm like, what am I going to do? And so he had a role kind of already figured out and he was the ops manager at the time. So, and that worked out well for a couple of years, probably six or seven years I was there. And then you became the vice president at Limbach after that? No, I was, well, I was the vice president at Willard and then I went, to work for Limbaugh after I left Turner. And uh, yeah, I was a vice yes. president there as well. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you were there for about two, two and a half years. Right. From what I'm seeing. And then you moved on to Fluidics, which became MCOR. MCOR well, right? I was, I went to work for MCOR as a regional vice president and they knew that the people running Fluidics at the time we're getting up in years and they were looking for somebody to kind of take that over. And to be honest with you, Nick, it just didn't work out. Yeah. You know, they, those guys were digging in. They didn't want to go anywhere. I knew them both very well personally, and I wasn't going to be the one to push them out. And I, I remember we had conversations over the years a little bit about, you know, how that all went down. Cause I worked with fluidics when I was at Temple university on some larger projects. And, you know, you know, we, you filled me in kind of on how, you know, how that uh, all kind of, you know, turned around. And we met when I was with Hunter Roberts, you were consulting, you were an owner's rep. And I was trying to remember 
what project and who you were working for at the time? I was working for myself. Okay. And Got we it. had the uh, Croc Center in um, Camden. And we actually ended up uh, working a deal out with, with, uh, with Danny. Yeah. It, it was brief, right? You, you were there for just a little bit working with them? Well, I had my own firm and then I, I kind of got, I really was having fun doing that. And, you know, I just had an unbelievable offer from MCOR to go to work for them. And then, you know, it, it was fun. And then it was a big travel job. I traveled 50 weeks a year for, I don't know, five or six years, maybe even longer than that. And that was really wearing me out. And uh, I had the opportunity to go to work for MMC contractors who I had met. Uh, their home base was in Kansas. And I was running a company in Kansas for MCOR. And and that worked out. That worked out really well. And I was the president there of the Northeast region. So it came a long way. Yeah, you were you were the president from 2015 to 2019? So what happened, the same, such not a, a little bit of a different situation, the big Midwest company, mm-hmm. Consolidator, they own a number of companies, ESOP company, great people. I'm still very good friends with a lot of the people there, but they were so used to the model in the Midwest that was different than the Northeast. And I don't know that they ever really were comfortable in the Northeast. So we decided to close it down. Mm-hmm. And we had two offices here one in Somerset and one in um, Swedesboro. And we just wound, unwound it, finished the jobs we had, took care of all the people that were there, mm-hmm. helped them find jobs, gave them severance packages, and we just wound the whole thing down. And that's when I, I took a year off after that mm-hmm. and played golf every day. And <laughs> my wife was like, you got to do something else. You know? <laughs> well, your uh, golf game got good, I'm sure, right? <laughs> it, it did, but it's lousy again. <laughs> Yes, it is a cycle for sure. And then, P- what's PM Services Group, which you started in, in 2019? That was the company that I used, the name I used while we were owners' reps. Understood. Okay. I was trying to understand the timeline that you had referenced on LinkedIn. Gotcha. Okay. Hey, guys, it's Nick. I have a short message from our sponsor, MPC Builders. With well over 40 years of combined construction-related experience in both the residential and commercial markets, MPC Builders services the New Jersey and Philadelphia metro areas. Check out our website at mpcbuilders.net or you can call me directly at 856-217-1750 and I'd be happy to answer any questions you have about your construction project. And now tell me about what you're doing now. How did you and your wife get into commercial doors, frames, and hardware? Because we just recently started doing business together, and uh, it's been great connecting, reconnecting with you. Well, we looked around to buy a business because after I left corporate America, which MMC Contractors really was, I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want the quarterly reports. I don't want to have, go through the spreadsheets and, and, and projections. And I was just tired of it after so many years of doing it. So, you know, we really were looking and working with a broker trying to find a company to buy. And I really wanted to buy a mechanical contracting company. The problem was, Nick, I couldn't afford them. Very, very expensive for anything that was pretty decent. And, you know, I'm 60 now. 
and I didn't want to go into debt. Uh, we don't have any debt now, and, and I didn't want to take on any debt. And if it fails, you know, what, what happens? So, like I said, I was off for a year, looked, came upon this, met with the owners of this company, and, you know, I was like, let's take a flyer. Let's go. And it was bumpy at first, and we're October of this year will be two years, and it's it's going extremely well. What by buying an existing business is a lot of business came with it, a lot of backlog came with it, the emails addresses came, the phone number came, and it just there was good business, and we've you know grown that business to contacts of mine and uh, really manage this company on a customer service line, if you will. I'm not about volume. I know my lane and, and kind of where we fit and we stay in our lane. I'm, I'm not interested in chasing big jobs and let you know, and chasing after the unifieds of the world. They're not really that interested in a lot of the smaller jobs. So yeah. it's, it's working out for us. Yeah. And we had that conversation too, you know, exactly, you know, about that. And how long did it take you to find you know, this business, how long were you looking to, to, you know, purchase a, a new business? Probably you know, almost a year, maybe, okay. maybe a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And we looked at a lot and you know, it was due diligence. We did on a couple, the uh, non-disclosures you sign and, you know, in a lot of companies and this company as well, you know, they would not let us near the building and we've moved. They were in Vineland. We moved the whole physical location but they didn't want their employees to know and they didn't want the street to know because everybody's afraid of not getting paid. All of a sudden the owner is leaving. I'm not going to pay him. So that he was very cautious. What have you learned about the, the commercial doorframe and hardware business? It's not as easy as you think. <laughs> there's a lot of moving parts. A lot of moving parts. And you're just a supplier too, but it is there is a lot of moving parts. Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts. We do some installs where I people that buy from us, the smaller generals that are interested in doing doors, also they become subcontractors of mine. Okay. Excellent. So you you're going on two years now with that business. And uh, like I said, it's been it's been great reconnecting with you and doing business with you again. Where would you like to take the business? Would you you like to grow it significantly or? Well, yeah, and we already have. And, you know, for me, Nick, this is kind of a a bridge between when I can really truly retire Mm -hmm. at the age when I can, you know, think about taking Social Security, hitting my all the the. the money I have in 401ks and that other stuff without really getting hurt tax wise, I'm just not there yet. So five years or so, and then I'm going to think about selling it again. None of my kids are interested. You know, they're all off on their own, doing their own thing. So I'm happy for them. Do you miss the mechanical world? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Sure. But this is very fulfilling. And, you know, thank God we had it during the pandemic for the last two years because I'm able to leave my house and go somewhere every day and feel. And that was a thing, too, with the construction industries. I felt I still had something to give back to the industry and I didn't want to leave it. And, you know, we're there. You know what it's like building. I mean, I go downtown and you look your fingerprints are all over the city. And, you know, I'm still basically living in the city I love, working in the city I love. 
No, I, I definitely feel you there. And, you know, back to what you're doing with, you know, how detailed doors, frames, and hardware can be. And you're, you're very detail oriented and, uh, you could tell you picked it up really well. And you've already, yeah, well, we all are, right? <laughs> Never stop learning. But you, you know, you've, uh, you've picked some things up, you know, that, uh, you know, a couple of things we've been working on together. And, uh, I think it suits you very well. And, uh, again, appreciate you. Thank you. So what are you passionate about outside of, you know, your business, hobbies? What do you like to do? Well, I mean, obviously, I, I love the beach and we live there now. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. a great opportunity for us. The other thing it does is my kids love it. So I get to see them because they all want to come down to shore. Mm-hmm. You know, I do. I love playing golf, try to play as much as I can. And, you know, I still I'm a, a workout guy. So I'm still always working out, always mm-hmm. moving. Active. And yeah. Just, just trying mm-hmm. to you know, trying to stay ahead of the curve. Yeah, man. You look good. You look good. You said you just turned 60, right? I did. You're looking good, man. I did. Nice work. So if someone wants to get in the construction industry, wants to get into, you know, subcontracting world, but they're being pushed to even back to being a tradesman. Well, wants to just simply be a tradesman, but the, but they're being pushed to to go to college and they're being told that college is the only path to success. What would you tell that young gentleman or young lady? Well, and I will tell you, Nick, I've had that conversation with a lot of my friends' kids, my nieces and nephews. You know, for me, I would get into trades and I always talk about the trades. And if I had any direction when I was younger, which, you know, my parents are first generation immigrants to this country, they didn't know and they didn't know how to guide us. They just college, you know, that's the only advice they gave us. So, and in reality, I'd be long retired by now with a pension and an annuity and maybe doing something else. So I just think, you know, the advantage of being to go into the trades, being taught, having a five-year apprenticeship program, I think it's fantastic. A real good friend of mine that I grew up with, he has a son, Craig, brilliant. And he had an appointment to Annapolis and he was accepted into Milwaukee School of Engineering, decided to go to Milwaukee School of Engineering, one of the top engineering schools in the country. And he went out there and he rode a skateboard for the entire semester and failed out. And then he came home and, and I got a hold of him and he's now a local 98 electrician through his apprenticeship, running work, working for Doherty Electric and doing extremely well. Married and two kids and just doing fantastic. So I think it's great. And I still, and I'm sure you do too, have a ton of friends that are, have, that are union guys. Yeah, tons. And, you know, back to, you can just be a tradesman and, and, and do very well, like you just stated, but you know, you being in the subcontracting world most of your career, how many of the owners of those businesses were tradesmen? And then they converted into a business. And look how well off they are. You can you can take your, you know, your craft and and perfect it, if you will, and then convert that into a business. You know, learn learn the business side on how to build it. I mean, some of the most successful, wealthy people I know are, you know, subcontracting business owners. I agree with you. Totally agree with you. Um, you know, you can go, just go down the list and I would say, especially on the mechanical side, the majority of the mechanical contracting companies are really owner operators that came out of the field, union or non-union, but yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So how can people get a contact with you? It, you want to share any social media, website information? 
Well, our website is commercialdfh.com. And you can absolutely contact me through there. You can contact me through LinkedIn. And I love to give back. And I'd be happy to talk to any young person who wants to get into the industry. Because I think if I had guidance when I was younger, and not that my, believe me, Nick, I had a fantastic career. I've been all over the country traveling, national associations, and just did extremely well. But I'd be happy to talk to anybody. I don't think there's anything wrong with getting in the trades. Good stuff. Dan, I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show. And uh, we need to get out and hit some little white balls soon. I would love to. I would love to. We'll be talking soon. Thanks again. All right. Thank you. Take care. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Constructing Greatness podcast. If you enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at nicholasofac at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.